Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 326 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So glad that you are here with me today as I am talking to Annabelle Monahan about what to do when you get bored of your book. Oh my gosh, what do you do? Uh, This is a fantastic chat. I know that you are going to enjoy our conversation, her energy, all of it. It's um, So please stick around for that. What's going on around here? I am home. I'm home from my trip. And aren't you proud of me that I preloaded those um, episodes while I was gone? Because that was hard to do to get that many all in a row and out the door. And it just kept surprising me when I would get notifications that something had published and I would think, oh gosh, I didn't do that, but I did. So um, I'm glad that those went out. I hope you enjoyed them. And I have to say, I am so happy with the way that the trip went. And I am so freaking overjoyed to be home. I'm so incredibly happy (laughs) to be home. It was a wonderful trip. We almost, well, I almost didn't get into the country. I didn't, I almost didn't get onto the plane. I ended up entering the United States of America without a passport or any kind of ID. Scratch that. I did have an ID. I had a New Zealand passport. They would not look at that (laughs) that did not count. No one ever touched that. Um, My U.S. passport was expired, so I didn't have it because when your U.S. passport expires, you must send it into the United States and they have it. Therefore, I didn't have it. And I did not know that the United States is one of the few countries that if you have dual citizenship, they require you to travel on their passport, both in and out of the country. And Almost didn't get on that plane. Lala almost went on that trip by herself. But thanks to middle-aged white privilege, I tell you what, I got in. Honestly, that is all that I can chalk that up to because there is no reason why I should have been able to enter a country without a passport, without ever having a passport looked at, stamped, any of it. Um, It kind of, it makes me a little irate. And by the way, the United States requires U.S. citizens to enter and exit on the U.S. passport, but um, didn't have to when I left. In fact, I couldn't when I left. Couldn't use that in order to fly to New Zealand. So that was just confusing. I actually write about it in my um, most recent Patreon essay, which will be going out in a few days. So if you want to hear the story of that and more about how the trip went and how it felt to get home, that'll be going out. You can always check that out at patreon.com slash Rachel. I really love writing those essays. Um, The trip itself was fantastic. It is five days after we got off the plane as I record this. And so far, I do not have a sniffle. We did so many COVID tests my biggest fear was getting COVID on the plane on the way over and then having to spend, you know, a week or more of the two and a half weeks that we were gone, not seeing the people we went to see because we were sick and that didn't happen. And so far, um, we'll do our last test tomorrow, but so far it looks like we might be okay for coming back. And boy, did we, we were safe. We tested all the time and the people we were around tested all the time, but we hugged a lot of people and 
you know, we wore our masks everywhere, obviously, of course. Um, and we wore our masks on the plane, even though, oh my gosh, most of the people didn't, which is bizarre to me. Um, and we felt healthy. I didn't even get a migraine. It was amazing. I We rented a an enormously big, beautiful house for the first week that we were there. And we held um, an open houses and our friends came over and we hung out. And my little sister, whose roommate did test positive with COVID while she had already been staying with us, got to stay longer because we had this big house and, and my little sister couldn't go home because her roommate had COVID. So um, it it just all worked out beautifully. And, uh, I absolutely exhausted myself. I did everything wrong in terms of scheduling things. I really tried to do things right and, um, take it easy. And I did not, uh, you will not be surprised to know that I was absolutely, I hit overwhelm on day four on day four. I sent out an email that says I'm can that said I'm canceling the second open house because we hadn't even had the first one yet. I was just so over it's, overwhelmed. It's so big to go from almost three years of COVID and then moving to a new country and really spending no time with anybody but Lala and, you know, one-on-one friends here and there to go to socializing with family and friends all day, every day. It was a lot. It was so precious and beautiful and all my, there is a horn honking there. Nobody ever honks their horn in New Zealand. That is road rage. Wow. Um, yeah, to go from that to total socializing was, uh, was severely anxiety provoking. And I won't do it that way again. I will not do it that way again. Um, my next plan is when we go next time, I will plan one thing, not three things, one thing a day with extra days off. One of my favorite days was when something got canceled on us and Lala and I had this open day and we went to um, the uh, Guope exhibit at the Legion of Honor and it was incredible. And we just tootled it around kind of like we do here and looked at things and it was super fun. And other best times were sitting in that beautiful house on the back porch um, with its overhang and it had a fountain and it was beautiful fall bay area weather hanging out with friends and just chatting lazily with nowhere to be on those on those times where it was just we were just hanging out um i sang with my sisters we hired an accompanist and spent hours singing together and that's going to be one of my core best memories of my entire life was doing that we ate incredible bagels we ate so many tacos we ate burritos and we ate a burrito from Takaria Cancun, which was just as good as I remembered it. Plus they had seating out on the sidewalk and it was a gorgeous day when they never used to have that seating. And it was, it was wonderful and exhausting and expensive. And I'm so, 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 so glad that we went. I'm so glad that I got to see my dad and stepmom and got to spend time with Lala's father and our nephew and lots of time with my sisters, which was what my heart needed. And when we landed in Wellington and we got off the plane and I got in the car and remembered really, really rapidly how to drive on the left-hand side of the road again. Thank goodness I was worried that I had broken my brain by driving on the right in the States. And drove through our city and it was shiny and sunny and our house was here ready to 
welcome us and my office and my work. It felt like we had been gone for six months. The amount of gratitude we both felt for getting home was astonishing. And it really, truly made both of us feel like this is home. And leaving, taking our leave of the people that we love, 15 months ago was agony. It was heart-rending, heart-wrenching. I didn't know how I would live sometime saying goodbye to my sisters. And this time it was just like, hey, okay, I'm going to miss you so much, but I'm going home. When we left 15 months ago, we didn't have a home. We didn't know if we were doing it wrong. This time when we left the States, we were going home and we love it. We love our home and it's, it's so good. So that was one of the best parts of the trip was the amount of joy, surprising amount of joy that we felt getting home. And I'm super excited to get back to the page, get back to writing. I actually uh, broke the seal and did 2000 words this morning. And I might actually get some more words um, later today since Rachel says, right, is about to start in about an hour. And it feels good. It feels good to be back here. I'm, I'm working on that essay. And then I, oh, I almost forgot to tell you, I talked to my agent yesterday and she loved Seven Miracles, the, um, the book, I, the novel I wrote recently and gave to her to look at, to see if she wanted to take out. And I wrote it with the complete intention of self-publishing it. And then I decided to let her see it. And she had some good ideas and I'm incorporating copy edits into it because I'd already gone as far as hiring copy edits because that was the next step. Um, but she also had some good ideas. So as I incorporate the copy edits, I'm going to incorporate her notes and then she's going to take it out in a few weeks, um, take it out to for submission, see if anybody wants to buy it. And if they don't, it's not a big deal because I will just self-publish it. And if they do, cool. <laughs> she did say something funny though. She said, uh, she said, Rachel, I, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but I just don't really see that this would be uh, hardcover material. This might, you know, be better in trade paperback. And I think she was trying not to hurt my feelings. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, no, this is paranormal women's, the uh, paranormal midlife women's fiction. I wish they had mass market, the old mass market paperbacks. Yes, this would be trade fiction. This would be a very bad idea to release in hardcover. Nobody's going to want to pay $27 for this kind of book. Um, but yeah, so we had a fantastic talk and that's exciting. And um, so that's where I am in terms of writing that. I'll be hopping in for the next couple of weeks to do that revision. And that means I will not be able to do NaNoWriMo this year, which breaks my heart, but I'm always doing NaNoWriMo in my heart. Um, National Novel Writing Month, if you haven't done it. If you're hearing this on October 31st, you still have time to start tomorrow. You don't need more time than that. If you want to write a book in November, go to NaNoWriMo.org. Just search National Novel Writing Month. It'll pop right up. It's free. Changed my life. My very first uh, try at NaNoWriMo in 2006 became my first published book. It was the book that I sold, that, uh, that, that I got my agent from, same agent that I talked to yesterday, and sold the first three book series of my career. So I love NaNoWriMo, not for writing a book that will get published, but for writing a book, period, for doing your writing. So I can highly recommend that. Um, speaking of agents and traditional publishing versus self-publishing, I just opened a one-off live class that will happen on November 17th which is, um, I think it's a Thursday. Let's see. 
let's see what day of the week it is. Yes, that is a Thursday, November 17th. And this class is called Traditional versus Self-Publishing. What's right for you? It's a one hour live class. It's like a webinar. And I'll be talking about traditional publishing, what goes into that, talking about self-publishing, what you need to do that's different if you choose to go that direction. There will be time for a question and answer. It is $99 and you can attend by going to rachelherron.com slash publish. rachelherron.com slash publish. This is the class that I have taught multiple times at Stanford and UC Berkeley. Um, I'm compressing it into this one hour lunchtime spot for you. You do not have to attend live. If you sign up, the replay will be sent to you. And uh, what else was I going to say about that? Um, yeah, just it is just a compressed version of that. And it's basically everything I know about navigating today's publishing world, which is weird and always changing. And people always, always have questions about it. So if you have any questions at all about this, if you're interested in it, please come rachelherron.com slash publish. And um, yeah, November 17th at 11, that's what I was going to say the time, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. But again, don't worry if you can't attend live, I will send you the replay. So check that out if that interests you. Now, oh, it's so good to be back in the chair, y'all. I missed you. Oh, I missed being here. Okay. Uh, now let's get into the interview with Annabelle. Here's a little bio. Annabelle Monahan is the author of two young adult novels, A Girl Named Digit, which was optioned by the Disney Channel, and the sequel, Double Digit. She is also the author of Does This Volvo Make My Butt Look Big, a selection of laugh out loud columns that appeared in Huffington Post, The Week, and The Rye Record. Nora Goes Off Script is her adult debut novel. Please enjoy this interview with Annabelle. And I do hope that you're getting some of your own writing done. Even if it's just a little bit, break the seal, get in there, get a few bad sentences written, a few paragraphs. You can do this. I believe in you. Please tell me all about it. Find me on the internet. And now let's get into the interview. Enjoy. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome you to the show today. Hello there. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy you're here. Will you please share your name with us and your pronouns? My name is Annabelle Monahan. She, her, hers. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for being on the show. I love talking to people who do, who work in different genres within the writing industry and you have kind of been moving around and um, Nora Goes Off Script is your adult debut novel. And I believe it will be out by the time this episode releases. How does it feel to have this adult debut go out? It feels really good. Um, it's, it's basically a lifetime dream. Like you were a little kid and you had a dream and then the dream came true. So it feels amazing. Um, and it's out now. So I'm out oh, talking to people who have read it. Um, and I have to say the most shocking thing about that is this feeling of having created a world in your mind and then other people read it. And now that world's in their mind. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. And then they want to talk to you about it. And they ask questions about it. I always feel like that's the strangest part is when they ask questions and that really makes it feel very real that, oh my God, you 
did read it. You were there. You were in that room. And you actually have thought about these people that I made up, but I didn't really make up. Do you feel yeah, like that? It's very intimate. It's a very, yeah. it's an oddly intimate experience um, to sit and talk. And of course, I'm lucky because it's this year and I'm on a book tour. Yeah. And yeah. If it was last yeah. year. I would not be on a book tour and I would not be talking face to face with all these people. So oh, it's been that's... great. So, so, so cool. So tell us about your writing process. When and where and how do you get your work done? So I am not an organized person, really. Yay, in any way. I love um, talking to un- unorganized people. Yay for the mess. <laughs> I'm left-handed. I don't know. I don't know what the, my excuse is. Um, but I, when I am writing, I try to, you know, I, I get up, I have to deal with my I have one child at home, go to school, I exercise my body, and then I try to sit down historically from 10 to 2, and then I take a nap. Oh, I love that. It's my reward. How how long a nap? Okay, well, this is important if you want to nap. You can't nap more than 30 minutes. Because if you nap for an hour, you wake up and you're thinking, am I a drug addict? Like, where am I? I'm sweating. You don't, it, it's, it completely screws you up, but 30 minutes yeah. is the ultimate nap. I've read that in terms of sleep cycles and naps, 30 minutes is perfect and an hour and a half is perfect. But that one hour wake up is, is you just feel worse than. Okay. An hour and a half. You woke up. Like that's concerning. <laughs> I think that my family would start looking for me. What's wrong with her? Um, just 30 minutes is a good nap. Oh, it's a, that's such a delicious reward. So you said something interesting too. You said, when I am writing and you put the emphasis on the am. So are you more of a writer who writes in swells rather than like the daily grind? How does that work for you? So, so I have, I write a column that's due every yes. two weeks. And that is a wonderful thing because I always have somebody on my back, right? I always have something that I have to be writing. Um, so I'm always writing that. And, but that doesn't take very long. I mean, frankly, it's 600 words. And as soon as I have an idea, it just sort of comes. So that's yeah. not very hard. If I'm working on a book and I have been working on books for a very long time, um, if it's a book that I like that I'm working on, I will sit down and write it a lot. If it is a boring book and I've written, you'll never read it, but it's in my computer, a boring book. um, I will do everything in my power not to sit down and engage with that book because it's boring. Mm. So um, I think that whether or not I'm writing is about deadlines and it's also about the quality of my material. If it's good, I'm in. What do you do if you're in the middle of a book you're writing that you know is going to be good, but you're in that boredom phase. Asking I, I for a friend. Really, I have to really, right? um, I have to really take a step back then because if it's not something that I am like jumping out of bed, like this book, Nora, I, I was honestly jumping out of bed to write this book. It was such fun to write. Um, and if I'm not jumping out of bed, it's because I don't get it. I don't get what, I don't know what it is yet. And, and my strategy then is to just keep writing it. I either haven't found my character or I don't understand my character. Um, because once you understand who your character is, you could, you know how, what to do to them, right. To like yeah. mix things yeah. up or torture them or make them happy. Um, it's usually that I need to do more, keep writing until I find that person. So you find your characters by writing 
Is that correct? Or is there anything else that you also do? I, I pretty much have to write. I have to write a full first draft to get to know a character, but I know that there are shortcuts oh. that some people use. No, I'm really glad to hear you say that because I, um, I like, I hope nobody's looking to me for advice because I think this is a very inefficient way to write, but I do not get inspiration when I'm not typing. Yeah, so I have to be writing and I can be writing nonsense. And then all of a sudden something starts to happen. My fingers are moving and I'm typing. And then I, I honestly often will be typing and thinking, oh, I wonder what they're going to do now. And then I keep typing and I'm like, oh, I just found out. And then that's the fun of it. Um, but I don't have the kind of mind and I love these people, God bless them, who can come up with an idea yes. and know how it's going to unfold and then write it. I, God bless, but I, I'm, I don't know. How to I'm terribly jealous of that. And I always want it. But if I sit down to, you know, outline something, I, in a book where I had maybe a hundred revelations that were so interesting and took the book in new directions, I would say 95% of them happened because I'm just typing. Yeah. Five, five of them maybe made it on the outline, but the, yeah, and just, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I think that when that happens to you, it's because you were writing from your heart rather than from your head um, and from your subconscious. Uh, and that yes. to me is my favorite kind of writing. Um, that's not like, Ooh, want to know how smart I am? Cause you don't, um, but no one does. Yeah. <laughs> want to know who I am inside. I'll show you that. And I, I think that's the best way to get that kind of writing out. Oh, I love how quickly and deeply we've gone into this. Can you give us oh. any tips off the top of your head for getting into that heart writing, subconscious writing? How do you, how do you? Yeah, I actually just figured this out. This is like one of those things you're halfway through your life and you crack the code and then you find out the code isn't that fun yes. and you wish you cracked it. I need to start writing um, before I get in my head. So if I can get up and start writing at five in the morning when I'm just, it's me and my dog and my coffee and I haven't started thinking, oh no, I can't do this. I'll never be able to write. You know, I haven't started second guessing mm -hmm. myself. I can write good things. Um, so I think that's different for everybody, what time of day that is. But for me, before this is taken over, I will write better things. So yes, me that's my too. advice. Me too. I call it breaking the seal, touching, like touching the work as soon as you wake up. And then later it's easier when you sit down for the 10 to two, you've already, oh, yeah. you've already kind of, you know, soothed the beast a little bit. Um, I think well, the other yeah. thing also is touching it every day in yeah. some way you have to open that document every single day, um, because it really takes a long time to get back in. If you take a week off yeah, so much, or a year so much time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for a friend. <laughs> exactly. Oh, this is fabulous. Fabulous. Okay. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Uh, my biggest challenge is probably exactly what I just said. I am, I don't have a plan. Uh, I have a really loose plan when I start a book. These last two books that I've written, I, I know the premise. I know my elevator pitch mm -hmm. um, and I know how it's going to end up. And the answer to that is always happy. Um, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. And that's a challenge because boy, have you just back yourself into corners left and right. Um, I, I wish that I was that other kind of writer, um, but I'm not. So I, you know, when you're using the force, you have to sort of hope the force shows up. Um, so yes. that's a challenge. 
And it is so, it is so much about using the force. I think the older I get and the more books I write, the more I realize that it really is following this. The the I mean, for lack of a better word, the muse. I don't believe in the muse, but it is some force that is outside myself that that helps me. She yeah. said it, not me. I'm not the weirdo on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> she said it. Assign the blame to me. Yes, but you know it's true. You know it's true. No, it's totally true. <laughs> it's totally true. We just take credit, but it's coming from someone. Exactly. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Uh, the process itself, you know, I, I, I hear friends say all the time, I heard somebody say this last night, uh, oh, I hate writing, but I love when I'm done and I've written something. I actually love writing. I love, I love a paragraph, like give me a paragraph and I'm going to get into that. I just, I love the whole process. Um, and I, it just, it brings me a lot of joy to write a story that is happy. And I love when, when I'm writing kind of um, triggers a response in me, like I'm typing something sad and I'm crying or I'm typing something funny and I'm laughing. Like I just, I find the whole thing really joyful. I love it. It's, it's like this giant little hug or tickle or something when, when you actually end up laughing and you realize you're laughing and then you're like, Ooh, and then you give that weird giggle. Like, yeah, I did. I did just make myself laugh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and it's embarrassing if anybody were to see it, but oh, that is beautiful. That's such a good feeling. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Um, you know, I don't know if this is crafty or not, but, uh, I think that you can, that you mustn't, you can, you mustn't work on your novel for 45 minutes while you're in a waiting room. I think that you, for me, I need to have a big chunk of uninterrupted, uninterrupted time. And I think the craft tip that I'm getting to in there is hanging on to your voice throughout a story. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in a doctor's waiting room and I'm writing a humorous scene a about this person who is totally different from me and not having a medical issue, I have a really hard time getting back into that person's voice. So if you want to waste a lot of time, take my advice, start from the beginning, every time you sit down and write and read through quickly what you've written so that you can get it back into the emotional flow of your story. Uh, Because I've had times where I've tried to do that thing, right? um, I'll pick, I'll just write for 30 minutes. And what I'm writing in this emotional breakup scene, you know, sounds like a toaster manual because I'm not feeling it yet. Um, So you have to have some way to reconnect to the document emotionally every time you start writing. Does that make sense? I love that. Yes, it makes total sense. And I think I do something like that a little bit intuitively in that when I'm writing a crappy first draft, the only thing I will let myself touch usually and revise is the scene before or not the scene before, but the, but the, but the writing the day before and I'll, you know, maybe adjust a comma or two and maybe clean up a sentence, even though I'm not cleaning it up, but that gets me back in the headspace of where I was. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you're, and then you're in the flow with the rhythm. There's a rhythm to language and dialogue and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you, you got to find a way to get back into the, the music of that. Yeah. And I think that's a really good argument too, why some people find it so hard that they have been writing their books for years. And mm-hmm. I mean, think about all the different people they have been over the course of those years. Of course, the voice doesn't seem to feel the same because they've been changing this whole time. Wow. That's really true. 
Right. It's really true. There are people Whereas, who started off with their teenagers, you know, yeah. and they finished the middle age. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. A totally different perspective. Yeah. And, uh, and but it, my, I know that my best books, my tightest books are the ones that I wrote in a three month chunk, you know, just got yeah. it all out because it was, and plus I was able to hold the story in my head for that long. Um, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. Like get it out all at once so that it's a, it's an entity that you're not piecing together. Yeah, it's like yes. it actually exists unto itself. How do you feel about revision? I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just old enough. I don't resist it anymore. Um, and I happen to be working with that editor right now, who on on Nora and my next book, who's like a genius. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you know, who you is met, your editor? You Her name's Tara Singh Carlson. She's at Putnam Books. Okay. Um, She's, she's, she's a genius. And so it's like this dream that you've always had as a writer where somebody's whispering in your ear, make it better. Turn this up a little bit. Like I love, and I listen to what she says and I turn something up a little bit. And then I'm like, wow, this is a better book. I mean, mm. it's so. It's the best so, feeling. The best feeling is when really we feel I don't resist it at all anymore. I yeah. I'm like, bring it on. Tell me what's wrong. Let's let's work. Yeah. You are my kind of woman. All right. Um, What kind of thing affects your writing in a surprising way? Um, You know, I'd say my family. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have, I have three sons um, who are mostly adults. Now I have a teenager and two adults um, and my husband, and they are not involved in any way in my writing. Um, But my observation, I mean, the column I write is this sort of about family life. Um, But my observations about them and the stories that they bring into the house and being their mother um, <clears throat> has sort of opened up my eyes and made me more vulnerable in a way that has affected my writing. I mean, I'm writing love stories. These, there's nothing to do with my children, but yeah. it's um, being with them kind of opens me up in a vulnerable way that I think has really changed my writing as I've gotten older. I think that is gorgeous. And I am firmly convinced that the best writing any of us do are always love stories, whether that is romantic love or familial love. Like we are always, we're always writing that. That's what we, we all go back to. And that's what we want to read. It's all I want to read. And if I, if I'm reading something and I get the feeling like this is going to be science fiction the whole time and no one's going to kiss. I'm like, you know what? I just need one kiss to keep me going. But no, then I give up. I'm like, forget it. I read, uh, I can't remember what it was recently, but I read something where they brushed elbows at one point and that was all I needed. Those was oh, really yeah. all, like, it was just a, it was just a, it was just that You know connection. what it was? It was Twilight and they're sitting in the, <laughs> they're sitting in science class and they just have met and they brushed elbows. And I'm like, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm here for this. I'm going to buy the next two books. this. <laughs> Yeah, I will never luck. forget my, my twilight movie experience where I went, we went in the, my, me and my two sisters went in the afternoon and it was only like us and yoga moms. And it was just the most delightful <laughs> audience of just little like adult squeals. It was, it was so yeah. that book, it, was so I mean, it took us back to a place. It really it, did. It did. You can, you can say a lot about twilight, but it, it, engaged readers in a way that hadn't been done since, you know, Harry Potter. So yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So speaking of books, what is the best book you've read recently? And why do you oh, love it? I just read a shoe story by Jane L. Rosen. Um, oh, I like read, her. She, what was her last book? She wrote um, 
the there's the, the name. I didn't read the one uh, before that supposed to be so good. It was the one about the writer, right? Uh, can't, uh, anyway, anyway, the title. Sorry, I can't think. No. Anyways, it's a story. It's one of these like second chance stories um, that happens in New York City. And New York City is such a strong character in the book. Mm. It's so vibrant. And she has a second chance in the city and she has this borrowed wardrobe wardrobe of shoes that she tries on as she goes on these different adventures to, you know, right the wrongs of the decisions she's made in the past. And it is just so funny and well-written and great. Highly what a great concept too. What a, oh, it's what so a fun. fun. But it's not high. It's not like so much, you know, you, you start something like that and you're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be one for every month of the year. It's it's not, it's like, it's very light touch and it really works. It's great. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. That's going on to my TBR pile. And speaking of my TBR pile, which I just added, can you please tell us about Nora? So Nora is a story of, Nora goes off script, is the story of a, um, a made-for-TV romance writer, like, so think the Hallmark Channel, who her husband leaves her, and she writes a more serious screenplay about her divorce. And it's partially filmed on location at her house, and she falls in love with the man, who happens to be the former sexiest man alive, who is playing her husband in the movie. So, you know, she's coming off this terrible relationship um, and I wanted to see what it would be like to run her through that sort of toe curling once in a lifetime romance. Um, And it's a lot of fun. It's a fun story. It looks delightful. And was there, and you know, I, I am probably wrong, but was there a tiny homage to Nora Ephron in her name? It feels like something that Nora would have loved. Oh God, you know what? It, it kind of, it kind of does. There is a, a feeling like that to her and I hadn't thought of it. Um, but you know, my subconscious does a lot the of subconscious. work. So who exactly. knows who's in charge. I actually, in the first draft of the book, um, she was Ruth oh. uh, and I, she's a very grounded, practical person. And I wanted her to have that kind of a grounded, Ruth is a very good name. grounded it's name. It's a good yeah. name, right? But I was at the time I was watching Ozark and you know that adorable woman who plays Ruth in, in yes. the show? I couldn't oh. get her voice out of my head while I was writing. Yeah. Like I could hear her. And so I thought, what is another short name that feels grounded that way? Um, and that was Nora. I, I had a book with a Nora in it and I picked it for that reason. Yeah. It's oh, did you? Such a, it's such a good name. Yeah. Yeah. It is a good yeah. name. Oh. This has been delightful. Thank you, Thank you so much for talking to us. Where can we find you out there on the internet? So I am at AnnabelleMonahan.com. Um, and all of my Twitter and Instagram and Facebooks are at Annabelle Monahan. Uh, Good job. In it. I know, right? I, I think I, I lucked out. Maybe I did. You really it on the did. Right. <laughs> um, it's very simple. If you can spell Monahan with a G, you can find me. <laughs> It is a delight to talk to you. Good luck with the rest of your book tour. And I hope you're enjoying every single little moment of this magic and wonder and, and celebration. I really am. I I have not had a bad moment. It's really, it's all been just wonderful. So thank you. Thank Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? 
You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.